0: Well, this morning we're continuing our message series, which I've entitled Hope Restored. And I believe that each and every person needs to have hope in God for the future of their life. I mean, the alternative is to be hopeless, and that's uh, not so attractive. We need to have hope for what God wants to do. I believe our country as a whole needs to have hope in God for our future. Now, hope can be lost. Some people place their hope in the wrong things or on the wrong person. Or anything other than God is a hope placed in the wrong direction. But God wants to restore hope in each of our lives. He wants to restore hope in our country in America. And how can that happen? How can hope be restored? We're going to talk about this this morning when the message follow the lead. You know, if we are following somebody who knows where to go, then we can have hope that we're going to reach our desired destination, that we're going to reach a good destination. Now, who is the only one who knows the future? Who is the only one that's going to lead us to the right destination for our lives? And that person is Jesus. That person is Jesus Christ First Peter two twenty one, you can follow along in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the scriptures written out as well as the outline. We had this last Sunday, but we're going to read it again. It's a good verse. It says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. And so to have hope in life does not mean We have to live a life devoid of suffering. Suffering is a part of the existence of every person on this planet. It's been that way since the fall in the Garden of Eden. But hope is determined by what you do and who you follow in the midst of suffering. So we're not trying to avoid all suffering. It's impossible to do that. But we can have hope even as we go through life, have different stages of suffering, In our lives. According to this verse. Christ himself. The very son of God. Who lived a perfect life. Who never sinned. Still suffered. In fact we know he suffered a great deal. Both in his life. And in his death. And yet Jesus left us an example to follow. He blazed a path. That we might follow in his steps. Throughout life. He knows the direction. To go. So let's think a little more deeply about hope and following Christ. Hope has to do with faith in a good future with God. When we have hope, we're looking forward to good things that God has in store for us, both in this life and in eternity. If you have no idea what direction to go in life, if you have no idea what path to take, if you are just don't know where to go, then it's going to lead you to hopelessness. To have hope restored, we must have a clear direction. We must believe that God is going to lead us in the right path, in the right direction to reach the destination that he has for us. Jesus said in John 10:4, he says, When he, speaking of the good shepherd, has brought out all his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And so in this passage, Jesus is talking about himself as as a good shepherd. And Jesus goes before this flock of sheep and the sheep follow the shepherd. They follow his lead. The sheep know that if they follow the shepherd, they will be protected. The sheep know that if they follow the shepherd, they will be fed. The sheep know if they follow the shepherd, they will have good water to drink. They will be cared for. In fact, the sheep know that they're going to have the best possible life a sheep could have if they follow their shepherd. And as believers, we are Jesus' sheep. So how do we follow Jesus? We can't see him. How do we follow him? Well, Jesus said we need to learn to hear his voice. He's speaking to us. He's giving us direction. And we need to learn to hear him and to follow that direction. He goes on to say in verse 5, A stranger they, these sheep, this flock of sheep, will not follow. But they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So unfortunately, Jesus is not the only one out there calling for people to follow him. There are strangers out there. And we must learn to distinguish Jesus' voice from the voice of strangers. A stranger will promise you all kinds of good things... A stranger will make those kind of promises, but they will lead you into disaster. They will lead you into hopelessness. And so today we want to learn how to follow Jesus' lead so that we can have hope in our lives. And I believe that Jesus is going to speak to us through his word as we look at his word and through his spirit as we listen to him and give us hope for the future. So how do we follow Jesus' lead in our lives? First of all, He calls us to live blamelessly. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapters 3 and 4 this morning. Verse 8 says, and I'd encourage you to read those chapters. We're not going to be able to cover all the verses there. He says, finally in verse 8, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So as we look at the life of Jesus... We read the Gospels and see what he did. We see that he showed us the importance of loving other people. Of loving God and loving people. And he demonstrated it in his life. Now in this verse, Peter shows us how to follow Jesus' lead in our relationships. There are five characteristics that should define our relationships. And we don't have time to go over each of, these, each of these characteristics in depth. But I would characterize them as. As showing loving kindness to one another. Following Jesus is not just about us. It wasn't Jesus in the lead and one sheep following him. It was a a flock of sheep. It's about how we relate to others as well. Now everyone in the world is not the nicest person, right? We come across a few people that aren't so nice. How do we handle those? How do we handle when someone doesn't treat us In a loving way. Well verse 9 says. Do not repay evil for evil. Or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary bless. For to this you were called. That you may obtain a blessing. So what is our natural response. To when somebody does something evil or bad to us. It's to pay them back. Right. They deserve. Whatever I'm going to do. Back to them. To retaliate, to take revenge. That's our natural tendency if somebody hurts us. We have this sense that we want to hurt them back. We want them to know how much they hurt us. And so we want to do the same thing back. But what are we to do? What does this verse tell us to do? Rather than paying back the other person in the same currency that they treated us with, hurt for hurt, we are to reverse things. They hurt us and we are to bless them. Much easier said than done. And how can we do that? Well, first of all, it begins by forgiving that person. Somebody hurts us. Jesus said, you need to forgive. In fact, he said, you need to forgive or you won't be forgiven. That's a pretty stern command, is it not? As we've been forgiven by Christ, we need to forgive people who have hurt us. As sinners, we have all hurt Christ. And he has forgiven us. And so when somebody hurts us, as believers, as Christians, we need to forgive them. And that is the beginning of repaying evil with blessing. And as we forgive another person, then we can begin to show God's love to that other person. What's in it for us? The Bible teaches that. You reap what you sow. If you sow evil into another person, what are you going to reap back? Evil. If you sow blessing into another person, what does this verse say? You're going to obtain a blessing. As you bless others, God is going to give blessing. You'll reap blessing in your own life. Now, this applies to all kinds of people can apply to people who are unbelievers who have hurt us. It can apply to believers who have hurt us. Who knows that even people closest to us from time to time can hurt us. Even people who love us can hurt us. But rather than repaying hurt with hurt, we bless, we forgive, and we bless. To follow Jesus is so to sow blessing into others no matter how they treat us. Verse 15 says, In your hearts, earner, Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so this is another aspect of our relationship with other people. When we are honoring Jesus in our hearts, we are ready to be his witnesses. We are ready to tell other people about the hope that he's given to us. Because all around us, there are people who are losing hope. There are people who are hopeless about their future. The hope that we have in Jesus should be apparent to the people around us. When we go through a difficult time, when we go through suffering in our lives, and we don't give in to hopelessness, we demonstrate hope in God. Other people want to know why. How can you have hope? In the midst of what you're going through. We need to be able to explain to them where our hope comes from. Now, when we witness to others, it should be done humbly. It should be done gently. It should be done respectfully. We're no better than anybody else. God reached down and he saved us. Not through anything that we have done. Just through his great grace. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, our behavior should be different than those who are not followers of Jesus. And that's part of our witness, both our behavior and our our words. When we're hurt by others, we mustn't retaliate, we must bless. So what are some ways that we can bless other people? People may do things against us that are hurtful or not kind or not right. How can we bless them? We've already talked about beginning by forgiving them in our hearts. That helps us to have the right attitude towards them. It isn't easy to forgive someone who's hurt us deeply. It's not easy to forgive someone who perhaps isn't sorry, who perhaps isn't remorseful. We're not saying it's easy. But remember Jesus' words on the cross. As he was on the cross dying, people. Had shouted and persuaded the Romans to crucify him, what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so, as we forgive others, it opens up the door so that we can bless others and restore relationships. One of the ways to bless an unbeliever is to be a witness to them about what Christ has done in your life. They may do something unkind to you, but you bless them, and share with them a way to have hope. To follow Jesus is to live blamelessly as as Jesus did. Next, we need to live to do God's will. Moving on to 1 Peter 4, verse 7, says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now, these words were written by the Apostle Peter 2,000 years ago. He said, the end of all things is at hand. Well, it's 2,000 years closer uh, than it was back then. The return of Jesus is 2,000 years closer than it was for Peter. We don't know when it will be. It could be this year. It could be 2,000 years in the future. We don't know. But it is coming, and it is closer Jesus is coming back soon, and so we must live to do God's will in our lives. We are to be, it says in this verse, self-controlled and sober-minded. What does that mean? Well, self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the opposite of being out of control. There are some people who are out of control. That's not a good thing. Now, self-control is actually a fruit of the Spirit, and so it doesn't mean that you are just controlling yourself. No, it means that you are submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit. You are allowing the Holy Spirit to control your life. You are seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit each and every day. That is what and how a self-controlled person lives. Sober minded is to be serious and earnest about your life. Life is not a game. Life is not a big joke. Uh, There are things we need to be serious about. There are things we need to be sober-minded about. There are things that we need to plan for. And this verse gives us the reason why we are to be self-controlled and sober-minded. It says, for the sake of your prayers. Isn't that interesting? What does it mean for the sake of your prayers? So that our prayers are effective. So that the prayers we pray are the kind of prayers that God is going to answer. And that comes from being self-controlled and sober-minded. Verse 8, Peter goes on to say, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And so he returns to this theme of loving other people, and not loving other people superficially, but loving them earnestly. Now, how does love cover a multitude of sins? What does that mean? Well, when you love others earnestly, forgiveness comes more easily. Many hurts that come from others can simply be forgiven in our hearts. We don't have to correct every person's faults. We don't have to point out every time a person hurts us. We don't have to make it clear to another person that they did something that was not right. As we allow our love for other people to cover a multitude of sins and simply pray for them, a relationship can continue, it can grow. In fact, God's Word tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. Anybody... Ever bring up a record of wrongs when somebody did something to you the tenth time? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Once you've forgiven someone, don't keep that record in your head any longer. It leads to problems in relationships. Forgiveness is always at the heart of reconciliation. Now how else should we live to do God's will and In our lives and with others in the church family. Verse 10. he says as each has received a gift. And he's writing this to believers in the church. Use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. So each of us as believers has received gifts from God. It's part of the blessing that God has put into our lives. And these gifts are intended not just to be used for our own purposes, although that may be part of it, but they're given to us so that we can serve other people, so that we can bless other people, so that we can show God's love to other people. And if we don't use the gifts that God has given to us to serve, then we're not being, as this verse says, good stewards. We're not being good managers of the things that God has entrusted to us. You see, everything that we have in life has been entrusted to us by God. That includes our abilities, our gifts. It includes the resources that we have, our time, our money. Everything that we have, God has given to us. And we are to use it for his purposes as good stewards of his grace. So what is the opposite of doing God's will? Well, it's really living to do our own will. It's living to do what we want Rather than what God wants. And our natural human tendency is to put ourselves first in life. We are number one. We look out for number one. And we want to do what we think is best for number one. That's me. But God's word tells us that we are to put God first. And other people. Even before ourselves. And as we do that. Blessing comes from God. Jesus came to serve people. The very Son of God who created everything came to this earth and he served others. A classic example is Jesus washing the the feet of the disciples. Being a humble servant. Now the gifts that each one of us has are different. We each are different. And the gifts that we have are different. We may have ability to do different things at different stages of life. But I believe as long as we're alive, God has given each one of us gifts that we can use to bless others. So what is one gift that every believer has that can be used throughout their life to bless other people? Just let you think about that for a while. I believe that gift is prayer. I believe that gift is prayer. It's a gift that we often think is not being so important. However, God's word tells us that prayer can be powerful and effective. Now, our tendency is to just pray for ourselves and those close to us, ourselves and our families, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all we do, perhaps we're missing out on some things that God would have for us to bless others and be blessed in return. Are you praying for those around you in the church family? Are you praying for your workmates? Are you praying for your neighbors? As you pray for them, God can work in their lives and you are part of bringing God's blessing into their lives. Are you praying for relatives of yours who are not yet saved? Who have drifted from God? We can pray for others on our own. We can join together with other believers. Life Church in our different prayer meetings, small groups. It's important for our own spiritual growth and for the growth of others that we are praying for. We live to do God's will. And finally, we are to endure suffering. Oh, this is, this is a great point, right? Uh, we all want to go through suffering, don't we? But First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. So now we come to these tests or trials that God allows into our lives. And he says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised by suffering. Why? Because it's inevitable. It's going to come. It's going to come to each one of us from time to time. Now, there are different periods of time in our lives, sometimes when things seem to be going pretty well, and other times when it really hits us. But it is going to come. Now, these trials and sufferings that come into our lives as believers don't come by accident. It's not random. As God has allowed it to come into our lives. And he's allowed it for a purpose. It says right here. The purpose is to test you. He wants to test you. And the test that God gives. He wants you to pass the test. And not fail the test. He wants to test our faith. He wants to test our hope in God. So for not to be surprised. at, at At this suffering. That comes into our lives. How are we to respond? Verse 13. It says but rejoice. Insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And so we are to rejoice in the suffering that comes into our lives. Now, is that our natural tendency? When something we think bad, something that causes hurt, comes into our lives? No, it's not. But he calls on us to rejoice. Why are we to rejoice? Well, first of all, we acknowledge that God has allowed it to come into our lives. And in another passage, we're promised that he will not allow anything to come into our lives that's too difficult for us to handle with his help. And so he's with us in the midst of anything difficult that comes into our lives. Christ suffered many ways in his life, during his life and Certainly in his death. And one day when he returns again, we will be with him forever and we won't have any more suffering. That's one of the promises of heaven. And so we have that to look forward to. And so we can rejoice in any suffering that God allows into our lives. Knowing that he's with us, he's going to help us through it. And one day it will be over Verse 14 says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. And so if you or I are insulted for being a Christian and that's becoming more common these days. It says we are blessed. We are blessed. You see, the spirit of God is always with us. But he's with you in a special way in the midst of suffering. Suffering of any kind. Another name for the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave to the Spirit is a comforter. And so when we suffer, he can comfort us when we endure suffering. We are to rejoice in the suffering that we face in life, knowing that God is going to help us through it. And he's going to be with us. Through everything that he allows into our lives. So how should we position ourselves to follow Jesus in suffering? First of all, we're not to be surprised at trials. We should expect them. So instead of saying, oh, no, not again, say, well, I knew this was going to happen. I knew there was going to be another bump in the road. I knew it wasn't going to be smooth sailing to the end of my life. And you've allowed this, God, and you're going to help me through it. We're going to prepare that the next bump in the road, we're going to rejoice. Because God's going to work something good through it. Now, we don't rejoice in the problem. We rejoice that God is with us. We rejoice that God is going to help us through it. We rejoice that God is going to bless us as we go through this trial and test. Now, what happens if we don't trust God in the midst of suffering? Well we begin to lose hope. We begin to spiral down in hopelessness. When we allow this trial to become so big, this suffering to become so big, it obscures our view of God himself. But we need to see God as greater than anything we may go through in life. And as we do that, we can have hope that he's going to guide us through. Now when you face a trial in life, it's, it's a good time to ask others in the church family to pray for you. Don't like, I'm going to handle this all by myself, just me and Jesus. Ask somebody else to pray with you. Or ask others to pray for you. Many ways that you can submit prayer requests on your Connect cards. If we have your Connect information, you get a little text from me every Saturday, right? <laughs> Reminding you about church. You know, you can reply, text back on that with a prayer request anytime, and I'll see it and... and uh, the prayer groups in the church can pray for it. I mean, you can, if it's confidential, that's fine. If it's not, you can let other people know. But don't neglect the resources of other people that can pray for you in the church family. We've seen many answers to prayers in the past, and we will see more answers in the future. And when people pray for others in the church, they're going to be blessed for praying for you, and you're going to be blessed by the answers to their prayers. And together our faith will grow as God gets the glory. And so today we've we've looked at a couple of chapters in 1st Peter that give some practical instructions of how to follow Jesus in our lives. I encourage you to read through both chapters 1st Peter and 3 and 4 this week and see what God is speaking to you. He's speaking to different people here different things. We've covered a lot of things this morning, but some things are going to stand out That God wants to speak to you through this morning. To follow Jesus is to live a blameless life, serving God and loving other people. God is training us to do His will and not to follow our own desires in life. He's given us gifts to use, to serve one another. And one of the gifts that each one of us can use, one of the gifts that each one of us can grow in, is the gift of prayer. As we pray for ourselves, for our families, And for other people. We shouldn't be surprised when suffering comes into our lives. God has allowed it to come. He's allowed it to test us. That we might grow closer to him. And pass that test and have hope. And so we can rejoice even when suffering comes because God is with us. And we are committing ourselves to following Jesus every day of our lives. Now, this morning, I want to give everyone here an opportunity to repent and to become a follower of Jesus. It's not a difficult thing, but it's the most important decision that anyone could make in their life. Perhaps you may have made a commitment in the past and you want to recommit your life this morning. That would be great, too. First of all, you need to simply admit that you've sinned. You've done wrong things. You've been following your own plan for your life and not God. You repent, you turn away from that, you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven, and he rose from the dead, he's alive today, and you commit yourself to following him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now, we're going to pray, and I encourage you to pray along with me to make this commitment. Say something like this, Father, today I admit that I've done wrong things, I've sinned. I've been following my own plan for my life and not yours. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin, that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I believe you rose from the dead. You're alive today. And I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. Let's pray as well. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you today, God, that Jesus is a good shepherd that leads us. We pray that you'd help us to live blamelessly before you. Both in our relationship with you and our relationship with other people. Forgive us for the times when we've had difficulty to forgiving others. Help us to forgive everyone who's hurt us, that we might be forgiven, that we might bless in return for the times when people have hurt and done evil for us. Help us to live to do your will in our lives, not our own. Help us to know your will and to follow that will. God, when suffering comes, and we know it's going to come from time to time, we pray that you'd help us to rejoice, that you're with us, that we're not in this alone. Not only are you with us, but there's other believers who can support us and pray for us, and we're going to make it through. Thank you that Jesus is leading the way, and all we have to do is follow him. And as we do, we can have great hope. Each and every day of our lives. Until one day we see him face to face. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.